Welcome in, everybody, to the 615 Preps Podcast for the final week of the regular season in Middle Tennessee High School football. I'm Chris Brooks alongside Scott Burton. Scott, how are you doing? I am doing well. How about yourself? You know, I'm pretty good. Pretty good. We've we've made it this far. Uh, it's, it's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's really been uh, a really good season, uh, you know, who who'd have thought we'd have got this far back in August? No, nah, I didn't honestly. And yeah. you know, unfortunately, we start this podcast with some tough news on that front. As Stewart's Creek becomes our first playoff casualty of COVID nineteen, they are quarantined for fourteen days as of this past Monday, which means their season is over, one week short of the finish line. Yeah, that was what we feared uh, when we did get this going. Was it? We knew eventually somebody was going to get bitten by this, but we really, really hoped it wouldn't be anybody that had a postseason. Um, you know, well, you know, we of course we all hoped that there would have been a solution to COVID by now. Yeah, but I think we we're all that was just hopeful. Um, it really, really is unfortunate for those kids, especially those seniors, sure. to have their season end and have their high school careers end in that fashion, but. Uh, you know, it's just it cannot absolutely cannot be helped. It no. is nothing that they did. No, no. I think and, that's the important thing to take away from this. I mean, you can't blame them. We don't know, you know, where it would have come from. You can't blame you can't blame anybody in a pandemic for no. getting sick. You just no. can't. No. And I, you know, you can take. There are people out there who got sick who took every precaution, and there are people out there who have thrown caution to the wind that have remained healthy. It just not. It's just not fair to those kids. But there's absolutely nothing you can do. No, they were scheduled to host Smyrna for a spot possibly to win that region in region uh, five of six a and, and that obviously will not happen this week. We don't know if Smyrna is going to try to get another game or not. There are other games that are also out because of it. I believe, uh, I believe uh, Lincoln, Lincoln County and in, in summit is out. Um, yeah. I believe yeah. That, I believe that's I believe, the, yes. That no, is summit um, summit summit for, the third time in four weeks is not going to have a game. They've only played once this month. Yeah, they they're a team that probably desperately needs a a tune up game before the playoffs. But you know, at, at the I guess the question is at what risk and at what cost do you do you take it? And you know, you're already going to take the top spot in a region. Do you take it and rest and just focus on you know who you think you're going to be up against? Mm-hmm. Not risk, and not risk injury, uh, or do you go out there and schedule somebody? And if you do schedule somebody, do you schedule somebody really tough? Do you, I mean, you, you take whoever's available? I mean, there are a lot of factors. There's to a lot in. of considerations. I know that a couple of teams in East Tennessee are looking for games this week, but they generally want to stay in East Tennessee and not come to Middle Tennessee just for the travel aspect of it. Knoxville Catholic was supposed to come to Father Ryan. That game has been called off. Both teams agreed to that one, that it's really – there's no team in quarantine. They just decided that with Knoxville Catholic basically out of the playoff picture, it, it didn't do them any good to, to try to come over here and and, and have any risk to play yeah. that game. It was it was meaningless for both teams. 
and and I think that there's another school in uh, Clarksville. Uh, Clarksville Academy is out. Academy's out. out also, out. their season's over. Uh, McGavick and Overton also called their game off. It has no playoff implications. So I believe McGavick was actually just out of an abundance of caution. They call it that was good yeah. quarantine. I think they played. I think did they play Stewart's Creek last week. Yeah, so and, that, and, that's why they're sitting out. And and I'm and yeah, unfortunately, you worry about as we start to see these cases rise, you you do worry about this happening going forward. Yeah. And I hate, you know, and as much as I hope that it doesn't, it almost certainly will in some form uh, pop up again because we are at the point where there are no more, there are no, there's no more dates, you know, that you can hedge. There's no more uh, opportunities you can push something off. I mean, we're now in the tight end of the schedule, and we're looking at the fact that there will likely be at least another one or two uh, COVID cancellations. Yeah, and at this point, if that happens, the season's over for that team that has to sit out. Right. So, you know, and, well, the, and the way it's going to move forward is basically if you have a team, if you're, if you're playing against a team that is forced to sit out, it's basically a bye week, and you move right. on. And and what are the implications just off the top of your head with Stewart's Creek missing this week? Well, Stewart's Creek was they could have as we're talking about as then the region concerned. Yeah, or, uh, yeah. As well, the, as the playoffs would have had they won out. had they won that game they would have won the, they would have won the region. Right now, Smyrna's first, Laverne's second. Stewart's Creek is still the number three seed for seeding purposes, and as far as the bracket goes, but obviously they won't play. So whoever is second out of Region 6, is going to get a first-round bye. And whoever's first is going to get Cane Ridge. Right. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes uh, sometimes well, life's just not fair. It's just know? it's not – I mean, it, it, on its surface, it doesn't look great, but you know, that's the way it's set up. And, well, and you can't really – you can't shuffle the order of finish just because a team's forced to sit out. I mean, that they've played enough games to earn that spot. I, I don't think you can for logistics purposes alone. I mean, it. You know, there there's a lot of planning that goes on, right? And we've seen teams be able to change on the on the fly due to COVID, uh, with uh, uh, games being scheduled in less than 24 hours. Yeah. But at this point, it's not you, ideal. It's not ideal, and at this point, that's out the window. I mean, you might get one that might come up this week just because teams needing a game. But at this point now, that stuff on the fly is gone for this year. Yeah, because, I mean, you're talking about travel. Uh, you could be traveling west. You could be traveling east. Uh, yeah. Schools are arranging uh, transportation and, and things of that nature. Ticket, ticket sales are ticket going sales on. Are going and, on. And, the state is, and the state is running those. So, so you know, yeah, I mean, right now. You either play or you don't. Right. Right now, the, the thing is, is that if you're a team, you have two opponents. Yeah, COVID is an opponent. You got the other team as an opponent. Right. Uh, hopefully, you can navigate one and defeat the other. Uh, you know, <laughs> take your choice. You yeah. Know? Um, but yeah, it's that's just a shame. But um, you know, it, it's it's another life lesson that unfortunately uh, these uh, kids are going to learn that is unprecedented. You know, uh, no other no other. Uh, classes had to deal with it like the last two classes of high school students yeah it's been extraordinarily rough on them 
and you know the this year's seniors have had have seen all of it. So yeah, yeah. You know. It's not like the, it's not like college where you can say, "Whoop, okay, you got another year of eligibility." Right. <laughs> yeah, that, that's unfortunate too. But uh, on a more positive note, uh, we'll talk to head coach Dustin Wilson at Springfield this week. They've got Creekwood in a monster game for that region title. We'll get to that in the second segment. We want to go back to week 10 for a minute and start and just start by talking about a couple of games there. CPA Lipscomb Academy was our spotlight game of the week last week, and it lived up to the billing, and it lived up to an hour and 45-minute lightning delay as well, like <laughs> everybody else did. That was the other main story of, of week 10 was the weather coming through at, at the absolute worst time for a lot of teams. Yeah, I mean, several games were either canceled or cut short mm-hmm. by uh, – and then if you were at the games, you either were delayed, uh, pushed back, or you played through a monsoon. Or in a couple of cases, moved up as Cane Ridge and Father Ryan moved up two hours early. They started at 5 o'clock on Friday. Yeah, was there not a Saturday game too? There, Yeah, we had Independence and Brentwood on Saturday. And Hillwood and Hillsboro. Right. So, so games all over the place. But CPA and Limskin Academy lived up to the billing. Lipscomb Academy won over CPA 20-14 to 14 for the first time in, in – like 10 years nearly. Yeah, it was uh, quite the achievement there for Trent Dilfer in his second year to uh, to, to take that region. Uh, I think that he arrived even a little quicker than maybe and, – and he's a he's a driven guy, but yeah. maybe even more so than he might have thought. And Yeah, and he mentioned this in his post-game press conference that when he got to Lipscomb, he pointed out CPA as the monster in that region that they had to slay. And, and Friday night they did that. How big of an addition is Alex Broom to that team? He has transformed their offense and their special teams into an, a team at another level. And now, when you talk to Dilfer about Alex Broom, he, he gushes about this young man. I mean, he's still a junior, so he's still got some more growing to do. But he legitimately looks like a back that should be getting a lot of college offers very, very soon. And he, he mentioned him as a possible ACC back. Wow. So big words. That's that's pretty high praise coming from a Super Bowl champion quarterback. Yeah, yeah, really big. And and Broom obviously, you know, Friday he made a world of difference. He took the opening kickoff back for a touchdown for the second straight game, second straight game he's done it, and then runs for ninety nine yards in the win. Now, he had a fumble in the fourth quarter that CPA picked up, and then they scored a couple of plays later to pull back within six. And looking at him on from the sideline, you could tell he was beating himself up a little bit for that fumble. But if you go back and look at the video, there's five CPA defenders on his back, and I'm not surprised he fumbled. I don't know that I put that one on him necessarily. It just got ripped out. Well, let me ask you this. If you had to point to one factor in the game, one factor in the game that Lipscomb did just absolutely well that gave them – that well, that, that enabled them to win <laughs> – what would you have to point to in that game? Lipscomb's defense, because they largely held CPA in check. Now, CPA lives and dies on getting chunk plays in the running game. 10, 12, 14-yard runs that just kind of move the chains and just beat you up physically. They didn't get that early on, and they were kind of wearing down in the second half. Now, Langston Patterson broke off a long touchdown run in the fourth quarter to pull within six after Broom's fumble. By and large, it didn't happen for them that night. They they were held to three, maybe four yards in a run, and then they would get caught in the backfield. 
Lipscomb Academy's front seven did a wonderful job of just controlling the line of scrimmage and, and keeping contained enough that CPA was, was not effective. And CPA was a little bit uncharacteristic in the third quarter as far as penalties. They had a sequence where they had to burn a timeout and had a couple of penalties and a couple of drop passes. It just looked like for about a seven or eight play stretch, they didn't look like themselves. They didn't look like the type of team that was number one in the state at the time. So it might not be the worst thing in the world for CPA to go ahead and get that loss out of the way and learn a little bit about themselves. Awesome. I wish it, it was, uh, it looked like a great game from, from what I could see. Uh, hated that you had to be there that late, but. Uh, I will say the concession stand there is very good. You should check it out. Yeah, there was a rumor about barbecue nachos. I regret not getting those. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it was worth it, worth worth the delay, worth the wait. A great game all around and uh, a big win for Lipscomb Academy and a very real chance we see these two teams again in Cookville in, in five weeks. Yeah, very, very good. So, and you had a pretty good game yourself. I did. I had the uh, Laverne uh, playing Ant Smyrna. Um, you know, it's, uh, Laverne had a shot at the region title uh, w- with this uh, with this game. It it was really kind of the tale of two halves. Uh, the storm, you know, the first half really was uh, kind of back and forth. No team really stopped each other. They kind they kind of stopped themselves. Uh, there was a turnover uh, when Smyrna was driving that allowed uh, Smyr- uh, Laverne to take the lead. It really was the Ray Banner show in the first in the first half. Uh, I believe he had 200 uh, yards rushing on the game, and the majority of that was first half. He broke off a 50-yard run uh, that set up his uh, his eight-yard touchdown, and then he, later on he broke off a 75-yard touchdown run. Uh, now about uh, midway through the second quarter, the storm started rolling in, and you started to see weather. Uh, and uh, <laughs> they were, you know, Laverne goes in 20, uh, up 21 to 14, and they are flying high at that point. Um, but then the storms hit at halftime, and it was really kind of weird because uh, you could see lightning a little bit around, but it was never got within that 10-mile range, you know. And then all of a sudden it showed up in a big way right in the middle of their senior activities. And we were moved to the cars for about half an hour. Something happened in that break that Smyrna woke up. They came out and... They had a long pass, and truthfully, they had uh, uh, Jameer Eaton. They had him tackled, and he manages to break out of four tackles while they tried to strip the ball and go 77 yards. Ties the game. Next series, and after that, it was really the, the, third, the third quarter was a disaster for Laverne because they couldn't get out of their own end. And then disaster on top of that, Ray Banner goes down on a – third and short, and turns his ankle. And he was in – I was it was heartbreaking to watch because he was just in so much severe pain. Now, uh, talking to people on the sidelines, they didn't seem to – they didn't think it, at the time there was any swelling, didn't seem to be any damage. 
Uh, they were going to take him for x-rays. I've not heard an update on him. I will be surprised if he plays this week since things are already pretty much settled. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and, and like I said, he, he still did a boatload of damage, uh, you know, in the game. So, after that, it was really Laverne, although, I mean, it was really Smyrna. It was a lot of Arian Carter, uh, a, lot of, a lot of him, a lot of Landon Miller, and uh, it turned out to be a 35-28 uh, uh, game. They made it. Uh, Laverne got a late score. But uh, it was just a, it was a really, really good game, really good offensive game. But uh, I, I hesitate to think of what that game would have been had Ray Banner been able to finish that game. Yeah. Because I think it turns out differently. Um, but, again – you know, hats off to Smyrna. They played a heck of a game, and uh, and they're the region champs. Yeah, now. yeah. But they had they may get a week off to to celebrate this and get ready for the playoffs. Depends on if they decide to try to find another opponent after Stewart's Creek. Is I would out. be I would be surprised if they do. I, I would be too at this juncture, just because you know it's late in the year and you can probably afford to rest kids. And and knowing who you. It, and and being able to sit back and watch and who's going to play, yeah. I guarantee you their coaches will be out with that game. They'll be out at some at one or two games probably, just trying to figure out you know what's going to happen. Right, and we know it's going to be one or two games they should be going to, so they'll probably split up and one go. You know, part of the staff go here and part of the staff. And go it there. may it may very well just be Raven with Independence because now Brentwood is scheduled to play Centennial, but Centennial had to had to cancel their Week Ten game at oh, JP two, right. so. Whether they're available to play or not is not known at this point. I've not heard anything else on yeah. Centennial. So if they can play, then then it changes some things. But if not, Brentwood's going to be, you know, they may be off too. Right. So right. a little bit more business to take care of. We have to name a player of the week sponsored by Citizens Bank and some new names on the list this week. So let's run down them. We talked about Independence, Jackson Campbell. It, he's been on the list before. 12 of 22 passing, 215 yards and a touchdown. Also ran for 70 yards and two more scores. The Eagles with that win at Brentwood, 26-20. to Gordonsville's Daryl Holt, 192 yards and two touchdowns on 15 carries. Gordonsville defeated Joe Burns, 30-6. to DCA's John Lewis, 212 yards rushing and three touchdowns on just 11 carries. Had a 60-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. Had a 40-yard punt return, didn't score on it, but he had a long punt return. And also had four tackles and a pass breakup on defense as DCA throttled Franklin Grace 47-2. Yeah, 47-2. That scores, do not adjust your sets. <laughs> that was the actual score. Middle Tennessee Christian quarterback Aiden Hooper, 14-26 of 26 passing, 209 yards and four touchdowns. Cougars won at Mount Juliet Christian Academy 47-24. Adrian Johnson from Beach, 120 yards rushing on eight carries and three touchdowns as Beach beat Gallatin 36-8. Todd Lark from Blackman, five catches, 183 yards and three touchdowns. Blackman beat Siegel 30-7. Gabe Walker from Stewart's Creek, 156 yards rushing, two touchdowns as the Red Hawks beat Overton 33-14. We've talked about Stewart's Creek at length in this segment. Also, Middle Tennessee Christians, Eli Watson, had 168 yards rushing, two touchdowns on 12 carries, also had an interception on defense. So those are the eight finalists. The fans vote 
went to Daryl Holt from Gordonsville with 39% of nearly 2,400 votes cast in the last 48 hours. Wow. But now it's on us. And there's some good candidates, Scott. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're we're in that realm again where it's really splitting hairs here. And John Lewis from D.C. had 28%. Adrian Johnson from Beach with 22%. So Yeah. I mean, I looked hard at uh, – there were three that really stood out to me. One of them was Holt. Um, yeah, he, he did have an excellent weekend. The other one, though, was Jackson Campbell. Uh, you know, the plays that he made against uh, Brentwood to uh, to win that game and basically take it over. Uh, right now, I don't know that there's a, a better quarterback in the mid-state uh, at least as far as leadership goes and carrying a team, but we're not grading that on a on a season's worth of work. Right. That'll co- that'll pick, come later. Yeah. My pick will be John Lewis from DCA. He's just Mister Do It All, and he did it all. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, it, it's one thing to have a standout game on offense and and exceed, but. When you have a standout game on offense and defense, you deserve to be player of the week because you are doing it. You're not resting. Yeah. You are playing Iron Man football here. Yeah. And I think that uh, John Lewis, to me, uh, is my pick anyway. And, and let's not forget his special teams contributions because he had more than 300 all-purpose yards total when you count that touchdown for a kick return for a touchdown and then his punt return too, so – well, then uh, let me vote for him twice. <laughs> <laughs> so you're telling me my vote doesn't count. <laughs> well, you've said mine didn't matter most of the No. Wow. Ah, okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, no, no. Touché. You just said I was wrong. Touche. Touche. <laughs> Touche. Okay. Well, I'm going to second that, and I'm also going to oh. vote for John Lewis because – and just a, a wonderful game for him and a great game for DCA and, and – their story is is just continuing to roll. I mean, they're unbeaten. They've gone through so much with the tornado and then the pandemic and everything. And just the way that that team has rolled this year, it's one of the underrated stories in in this area. And I'm I'm very thankful to be able to say that John Lewis from DCA is our Citizens Bank Player of the Week, and I'm going to go bring an award to him. For that very reason. Outstanding. So, he joins a pretty exclusive list, one that actually gets opened back up next week. We always say that uh, if you win one of the regular season, you're sitting out until the playoffs start. Well, next week the playoffs start, so everybody's back in play for an award. That's right. Put them back. Put them back in the hopper. We're all. Uh, we're all. We're we're starting all over. And again. we're thankful for Citizens Bank sponsorship of this award this year. It's been well received by everybody who's won it and. Everybody who's voted and and tried to be in play for it, so yeah, yeah, I, I can't thank Citizens Bank enough for the support that they've shown for high school football in the mid state. Yeah. Uh, not just this award, but uh, for the all the support that they that they've given the guy, uh, those uh, people over there are just really really good people. And if you guys get a chance, uh, uh, you need to see them for your your banking needs. I, I, again, I. Can't tell you what great people they are to work with. All right. And after the break, we will talk to Springfield head coach Dustin Wilson. So this is the 615 Press Podcast. Stay with us. 
Now, a lot of you might be going out to these games and seeing the field painted up and not think much of it. But, you know, there's a group of guys who take a lot of pride in painting these fields. And Daniel Doubler with Friday Night Lines is one of those gentlemen. We've got him on the line. Daniel, thanks for coming on with us. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Well, let's just get right to it. Let's talk to the folks about what you guys do and and as far as painting these fields and and who some of your clients are. Yeah, we, uh, we offer, um, a couple of different options. Uh, we, we can sell you paint. We can paint your field. Uh, we can, we, we use uh, bulk paint and have, uh, airless machines. Um, so, uh, goes down a little bit, uh, thicker and, and crisper, I like to say than what, uh, aerosol would be, but we can still sell you some aerosol. Um, we do, let's see here, Siegel High School, Independence, uh, Fairview High School, Spring Hill, um, who else did we do today? Lebanon High School, Eagleville, Columbia Academy, Clarksville Academy, Davidson Academy, BGA. We've painted for NTSU, uh, Cumberland University, uh, Bowling Green Soccer Complex, Nolensville Soccer Complex, uh, Columbia Central, uh, Mount Pleasant. I'm trying to think of, of who else. That's it's a lot now that I think about it. Um, <laughs> Zion uh, Christian Academy, uh, Grace Christian. Uh, so we're uh, we're 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 all over the mid state. That's for sure. Yeah, what you're saying is that uh, many of the schools and universities in the mid state area trust their fields to Friday Night Lines. Well, I'd like to think so, and uh, we sure appreciate them uh, uh, us giving us the chance to 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 paint for them, especially during these uh, these co- the COVID times. That's for sure. You guys obviously have a lot of of coaches that you talk to as far as painting the field, but what goes into painting a field? I know it's more than just you know going out there and and drawing lines. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, um, great example for for this week is you know a lot of times we're we're at the the uh, mercy of mother nature. So, um, feeling, feeling kind of, you know, under the gun, uh, for some of these coaches on Friday night, trying to get it in with this rain moving in, but, uh, you know, we're, we're, uh, able to go out there and, and line your field for you. We're able to find your corners. Um, a lot of times we'll go out there, uh, and, and go on a blank field, especially at the beginning of the year, find the corners for you and then measure out and mark off everything that you, uh, that you might need and we'll lay down lines, ticks, hashes, um, numbers as well, the media line. And, uh, we also do some logos if, uh, if that's, if that's something you would need done. Um, and you know, I think something else is that, that, that might be important to, to, uh, mention here to a lot of, a lot of coaches sometimes, you know, we'll call or they'll call us and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get down to talking business and asking for prices and things. And they find that, um, a lot of times, generally speaking, having us come paint is not much more than what they've already allocated to their paint budget. So I think uh, we're very affordable. Uh, and at the end of the day, you know, it saves these coaches a lot of time, especially them that are, are you know, teaching. And then they've got to go to football practice and then they've got to study film and put a game plan together for the weekend uh, or excuse me, for Friday night. And then, you know, on top of all of that, they've got to try to paint the field. So that's where we come in. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's what we specialize in. You know, how much is your time worth at the end of the day, getting to go home at, you know, Thursday at, at after practice instead of waiting to, to paint your field. So we take a lot of pride in what we do. And um, I, I think it shows most every Friday night. 
We'll also want to thank you guys for sponsoring our Spotlight Game of the Week and our Fans' Choice Game of the Week for Week 11. We've got Creekwood at Springfield and Greenbrier at White House, and you guys have been generous enough to to help with those with sponsoring those games. So, so thank you for that, first of all, and, and thank you guys for what you do. Yeah, yeah, no, thank you. We uh, we we paint Creekwood as well. I forgot to mention them. Uh, now that you said it, so uh, <laughs> you know that was uh, uh, that's good that you guys are going out there and really appreciate the effort that uh, you're putting forth to to highlight uh, you know Middle Tennessee football. Um, there's a lot of great athletes, a lot of great teams in the area, and we feel very fortunate to be a part of of uh, what they do. So thank you for having me and. Uh, Good luck to you guys the rest of the season. And I guess what we'll the playoffs start next week, huh? Yeah. Yeah, they do. They do. All right. Well, we'll we'll be painting some of the playoffs too. And if if uh you guys out there listening to this, if you're needing a playoff paint, please give me a call. Call Daniel at 931-216-2594 or reach out to us on Twitter at Friday Night Lines. Uh private message me and I'll get back to you and uh We'll uh we'll make it easy. We'll make your Friday night easy. All right. There you go. That is Daniel Dubler from Friday Night Lines. Back after this with Springfield head coach Dustin Wilson on the Six One Five Preps podcast. Stay with us. On. Back here on the Six One Five Preps podcast with Springfield head coach Dustin Wilson ahead of their big clash with Creekwood this week. Coach, thanks for joining us. How are you, man? I'm good. Thank y'all. Man, I guess it doesn't get any bigger than this. I mean, you got an unbeaten Creekwood team coming in, playing for the region title. It probably. Probably doesn't get as good as as this, does it? Uh, yeah, pro- probably not in a regular season. I mean, uh, you ask for a situation, you look back in summer and the madness that we're in, we were in, and you're still setting goals and keeping kids, uh, you know, focus on goals or setting goals really at that point, and uh, you get to uh, go out and accomplish them at home uh, on TV, which we got a local. Uh, alumni here that I coached my first year here that broadcast us on YouTube every week so they get that feel but uh, just a little different when all those cameras and stuff set up and uh, you know there'll be some some odd and in um, stations around covering it's just a, the hype around uh, a game like that when you got a region championship on the line and fortunately both of us have, have won quite a few games this year so uh, you know anybody doesn't have to know about it anything about either one of us and they think it'd be a good game so uh yeah just just yeah you can't ask for anything more got all your goals ahead of you at home regular season it should be some good football well coach how, how do you keep your your kids focused you talk about uh all the accoutrements that are going to be around the game how, how are you keeping your team focused this week uh to kind of tune that out i don't know really um <laughs> I, I think i think before that i, I try to hide uh, but I just I hate lying, uh, especially when you got trust with the kids like you do, and uh, you know one of them's going to ask or one of them's going to figure it out, and you can't hide nothing anymore with social media. So um, uh, I did wait until after Friday night. You know we focus on a week, a week at a time, uh, and we started talking about it Saturday morning when we broke down Greenbrier game and reflected on it. But uh, I thank you. I thank you just anymore with these kids. I think you have to welcome it almost. Mm. Um, you know, they, they like it. Uh, if it's not face to face stuff anymore, as much as these kids are on social media or on their phones or typing up numbers or whatever they do, they like it. So, uh, hopefully they can just take that intensity and, uh, you know, just, just the excitement into it. Uh, but you know, the biggest thing we've been focusing on is trying to get a couple of good days in before, 
uh, the water comes, as it say there, it's going to come in. So it's, uh, yeah, this it's it's man, it's high school football. It's getting to be the season where it's going to rain every day or be cold or you'll be sweating the next. Like it's just crazy how much you got to adjust and. Yeah. Um, just be ready to go for whatever. Yeah, I know you guys were talking about painting the field early this week, uh, and with with the weather coming, you know, if it if it comes three or four inches, and how's that field going to drain for you? Uh, it drains all right. Uh, it's just surface drains. Um, mm. It got when this thing was getting built. That was one of the uh, what they call that value engineering is what they <laughs> is what they called that. Uh, so they took it out. The, the ground drains uh it does drain all right if it's coming a lot at one time because it's surface it runs off uh but if it's as much water as they say it's going to be it'll be uh it'll be wet but uh, it's a good surface uh it'll hold up we played four straight games on it last year yeah. uh, in the playoffs and that was you know when it was dormant so there was no growth or anything behind it so uh it, it may not be as pretty as it is at the end when it starts but uh, it'll hold up. It'll be just as good a playing surface as you'll find uh, on Friday night with the weather. So it's just something you got to do again with high school football and not being fortunate enough to have turf and all weather surface like we do. So we make our grass the best we can, and uh, but we'll both be playing on it. So there's no advantages or disadvantages to it. Just be as good as it can be. Well, you have to play a tough team in Creekwood on that on that grass. Uh, what have you seen on film by from them that you know you have to focus in on and it's trying to stop? Uh, number two, that kid's uh, good. We uh, we were sitting in the same situation last year. It's a little bit more wild um, to this point, but last year we played for the region championship mm-hmm. as well. Um, so they've had that kid a couple of years, but uh, he definitely looks more polished. Uh, looks like coach lets him maybe call a few more things at the line. Uh, is in direction. You know they run. Uh, option, so he's he's going to have the ball, uh, but he's he's one of their he's definitely their best player. Uh, he plays some defense as well, um, and uh, they're they fullback. They got a real tough kid that just old school. If you're my age or a little bit older, you know back when option was popular, you like those kids that had all four hands on the football and just trying to find somebody to run over. And uh, that kid's tough, and you know defensively. Uh, they're, I mean, they're undefeated, so they've they've won some ball games. They got something good going on, and uh, they just got a bunch of kids believing, and all of them, eleven's going in the right direction. But uh, number two is definitely their playmaker. They've got a good fullback, um, and then they look good up front on both sides of the ball. Yeah, that, I looked uh, just looking over at uh, at their team a little bit. Uh, they also have a, a pretty good uh, a receiver that ten, that uh, big tall. Uh, uh, yeah, long frame nine. receiver. Yes, I don't know his name, but I can tell you his number. Jemison Ford, I believe, is his name. Uh, yeah, all right. And uh, yeah, he's he's definitely one that I'm I'm sure that uh, you're going to have your eye on. Oh yeah, they throw the ball deep. That's they're they're throwing it to. Or let me say that too, makes plays for them that are end up being deep balls or something like that. So everybody's got those kids. Again, that's yeah. just what you do. And in football, you let your playmakers make plays. So when they need one. Uh, it seems like it's been nine all year, uh, but I'm sure you can't get lost uh, in in the just chasing him. I'm sure they got other kids as well. But uh, you, you talk about kids, and you've got you've got a few of, of those uh, yourself that uh, uh, that are really performing well, and and none more so than your number five there. Oh, you got that right. I mean, that's the only reason you win games is 
uh, Jimmy's and Joe's, and I'm big on that. I mean, you got the boys, then uh, you try to get out of their way and let them make plays. And uh, Five's a great example of that. Is he's? I mean, again, I, if I have to put a word on him, it's tough. I mean, that's the first one that comes to mind. He just he likes it. He's tough, uh, and we just we decided to snap the ball to him every play last year, and it's uh, worked out well for us. And uh, he's a leader, and uh, he'll try to get us going in the right way, and uh, just hope for the rest of them will follow him. It just seems like he has grown so much as a football player this year alone, as opposed to last year. Now, what have you seen from his development since, since last year that has really impressed you? Uh, really, just the the leader. Yeah, really. I mean. Uh, I know you guys were at the state championship. Uh, you, you know, you're we're, we cut it close there in the second half, or what? Never a, a bad ball game, but it was two scores, like sixteen or something at, at halftime, and we make a stop and we punt, get them to punt, uh, and he lets the ball. He's got a rough decision there. The ball hits like five or six, and it hits him right in the chest, uh, and they get the ball back. You know, in the inside the ten there after just stopping them, and uh, I made sure I told him, "Hey, man." Uh, you're the reason, one of the big reasons we're here. Like, don't put your head down. If that does, everybody else is going to do it. So I think just him hearing things like that and, or realizing uh, that he's such a big deal and being humble about it, not rubbing everybody's face, just probably enjoying being a high school kid and being a leader of a of a football program that a bunch of people are behind uh, and, and realizing it, I guess, to answer your question and not be real so long-winded about his growth. He just – uh, realizes what he's about, realizes the amount of people that are behind him, and he's just had more fun versus last year. Uh, at this time, we were still well, – we went back and forth at this time, but two or three weeks ago we were uh, still going back and forth on a couple of quarterbacks, you know, just trying to figure out which one fit us the best. But uh, he settled in, man. He's having fun. Uh, he's just a senior in high school playing some football. There you go. <laughs> I want to go back to the Marshall County game for a second. It's the only loss your team had this year. What did you guys learn from that night that that's helped you in the second half of the season? That when you're playing a football game and the team that's tougher on that Friday night wins the football game, <laughs> uh, and you got to make sure that you're that team and not the one taking it. Uh, they did a great job of when we got off the bus to display how tough they were. Uh, from every aspect of it, from uh, their community to their fans. And then when the whistle blowed, uh, their boys executed uh, with tough, uh, tenacity football. Uh, so uh, that's why I got that game on there. I know they were good. Uh, so hopefully lesson learned. Uh, and we want to be that tough team on that Friday night. And, uh, yeah, not the other way. Who do, who do they remind you of as another team maybe on the west side of that bracket possibly? Is there any is there any team they're kind of comparable to that you might see in the playoffs? Uh, no, not no. Uh, if it's anybody, it may be Jackson Southside. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Tyler does a good job. Either the head coach, uh, he does a good job with what he has. Uh, Marshall County does a good job of uh, their coast well. Um, their their formations when you're on the defensive side of the ball, uh, they're they're very uh, multiple in that and make you line up right. Uh, they convert well on third down, and not that south sides just like them, but uh, they just they 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 would to answer your question, they're more like it to any of the teams that I've seen that are like them because 
your Lexingtons are going to line up as many linemen as they can on the line of scrimmage, and they're going to run the ball at you. Uh, your Hardin Counties, uh, they got all those skilled players and that big-time quarterback. They're going to sling the ball around the yard. Uh, and your Haywood, they're going to be freaking giants and bully you. Um, and that's none of them resemble really uh, Marshall County because they're just well coached. They're slow and methodical in what they do, but man, they do it good. I guess you're probably a little bit happier that the, the way this region has worked out this year, it's not as chaotic as it was last year. It's pretty cut and dried. You know, you win, you win the region, and it's pretty well shaking itself out. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's better for planning. Uh, you know, back six or seven years ago, before we, I've ever been in charge of a program, when it went to the playoffs, I was like, thought it was going to jinx me to plan. Like, uh, what was it 2014 when we were in 5A? We beat Gallatin. Um, and then, like, David Crockett and Daniel Boone get in a brawl. And that was, like, the last year of the Z plan. Right. So, in, in about a six-hour period, we went from being a third or fourth seed, just getting in to hosting a playoff game against Gallatin again <laughs> uh, because of all that mess. So, with it being a cut-and-dry region like it is, you can just plan more. Uh, you know, like, right now we're in a situation where we're going to be at home next week. We'd like to win the region, and we'd like to have it the most, most games possible at home. Uh, so that's just a better thing about uh, when you have – you can just you can just plan when it's cutting dry like it is. You mentioned that Z plan. I mean, I know there's some people that, that might want that back to kind of take some of these losing teams out of the equation. But I guess from a coaching standpoint, you probably have to be okay with what you got knowing that you can plan ahead, can't you? Yeah, I mean, it's about like all this COVID mess. You can just control what you can, and we done, we learned – you know, since March, man, there's so much stuff. It's us little uh, little guys. We can't control anything. So, uh, you know, I, I, somebody calls and asks me about what I like, I'll tell them. But I ain't going to get into all of it or yeah. try to politic forward or push for any of it. Just make sure you give us a schedule with 10 games on it. We'll try our best. <laughs> <laughs> You've managed to navigate a 10-game schedule and not have a ton of disruptions as far as COVID's concerned. Knock on wood. You know, you probably you have to think you've already won, right? Just getting to this point? Uh, yeah, I mean, as soon as you do, there, we'll get a phone call in the morning or something and wow. somebody's down or something shakes it up. Like, it's a, you, you said it best, you just knock on wood, cross your fingers, pray, hope, whatever you do, that it don't get you because you can't control it. Like, I mean, you just – you got kids. Kids are going to be kids. And uh, then you, in this whole mess, you've got parents that are in the mix too. And some of them have uh, thoughts or beliefs or agendas on why it's happening and uh, – you just got to do the best you can, just like everything else, be consistent while they're around you. Uh, we always wear masks. We're painting right now. We got masks on. Uh, and, you know, we got a, uh, a mask for Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, and Wednesday, and we got a game day mask, and we got a bus procedure. And uh, it's just, you, you tell me uh, who can navigate through all this best, uh, this mess the best. Go find you a football coach, and they'll tell you how to plan because uh, we're going to do whatever we can do to play ball. Well, I, I can attest to that because I, I, I did see it in action and uh, I could see how seriously uh, your staff and uh, your team was taking uh, the precautions that were out there. And it's just, uh, you know, I imagine it is like walking on eggshells, you know, just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's real. you got to respect it. I mean, if you don't think that, then you can pick up the phone and call somebody that did. You know, I, I called Engel. Uh, when they went through a couple of weeks and just ask them, hey, what's what's going on? How'd you do it? What'd you do? Why? You know, 
uh, that's just why you got a network of people where you can call and ask them what's going on and just to help you. I mean, wouldn't be any different if we were trying to install a new offense. Hey, why do you do it and what you do? And now we're just trying to navigate through uh, this virus thing. Yep. Well, coaching is a true fraternity, it seems, especially in the Middle Tennessee area. Yep. Oh, yeah. I, mean, uh, I think you take it back just to the game, too. I mean, when – bunch of me and my buddies that ended up being buddies played at Austin P was around the game you know that was nice scholarship too uh, we all just wanted to go play ball uh, you got so much similar beliefs when you're around the sport of football uh, you've been tried before it's been hard you went through hard you conquer hard uh, so you, you all you're all you're just you're all about wound you know you're wound the same if you will for a country saying there you just we we uh, believe in the same stuff or similar uh, and when you're around people like yourself, you just you get along better, and you listen to people better, or you talk better, or you relax better. So, but yeah, it's when you're around football, uh, and specifically, uh, it's it's just it's a tight knit group of people. Yeah, write that down because I want that on a t-shirt. Yeah, trial hard. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's. Uh, Hold on, let me get a piece of that now. <laughs> <laughs> just, I I ain't greedy, but hey, we, uh, I got a one year old now, so yeah. she's always on a new pair of shoes or yeah. a shirt or something. So I'll give it to her. But. Yeah, you got to buy food too, right? <laughs> get that on the yeah. Hallmark card, and we'll split it. There you go. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, give me a third. That's there there we go. There we go. I we'll, might be a country board. I'm got three people on the line, that, so that, I want a third. That, or, or, <laughs> hey, you know what? We'll come up there and get some JI Baldwin's barbecue next time. You bet. We'll, we got we'll it. We'll buy. There we go. Yep. Well, Coach, we'll let you get back to it. I know you guys are getting ready for a big game this week. Uh, good luck to you, and uh, we'll talk to you up there. Yes, sir. Thank you all, as usual. All right. That is Springfield head coach Dustin Wilson. Let's take a break, and we'll come back on the 615 Preps podcast. Stay with us. Back here at the 615 Preps podcast. It's that time of the week where we do our best to try to figure out who's going to win these games. Scott, it's who you got. I, I, I'm afraid of what you're going to tell me. Because you, you, you got nothing, right? I, I, I got – well, I've had nothing all year, so. Uh, you know what? You said that. I didn't. So, after last week especially. Yeah, I, I knew I tanked last week. What, well. What the heck? Okay, so, entering week 11, I, I'm, I'm going to toot my own horn a little bit. I, 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 I've paid the price for this in, in, in past weeks, but I'm going to do it anyway. Nine and one last week. Oh. and. 68 and 28 for the year and a three game lead over the Twitter voters who've now taken over second place. Okay, on on the ones we pick on uh, right, okay. On, okay. on these 10, yeah. On these 10. Okay. Yeah. How far have I fallen? You are now 5 games back. Am I still in third? You're still in third. How far back behind the people? 2 games. Okay. So and, still... and Drake is 4 behind you. Okay. I I I knew well, I knew we took some. I took some chances last week. I was feeling uh, some upsets that just didn't occur, and yeah. and uh, one that uh, one that did. Yeah, the one that I lost was the one that I was actually at. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, so, I lost that one too. So, well, that, I don't. I don't think necessarily that Lipscomb Academy was as much an upset over CPA as. No, 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 no. Because I, I thought I, they were they were I, almost on par with each other. I, I was patting us on the back for getting the independence. This is true. We called that one on Monday. Yeah, really that, that was the one. Uh, now the the Lipscomb, I think uh, I think Drake may have gotten that one right. And, he might have. And you and I whiffed on it. So. It's, I have to go back and look at it. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, <laughs> just flush it and move it, on. Flush it and move. That's exactly right. So. <laughs> 
And we flush it on to week 11 with a lot of region title games and a lot of elimination games. And this list is made up almost entirely of those. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's incredible. Yeah, it, it's I mean, really that's, incredible. that's the kind of drama the week 11 brings. And we start with Rossview and Lebanon, an elimination game in Region 4 of Class 6A. Rossview, both these teams lost last week to put themselves in this spot. Rossview going from potentially having a region title shot to now fighting for its playoff life. Lebanon kind of, you know, they, they could have beaten Wilson Central and, and given themselves a little bit of breathing room. Now they have none. One of these teams is going to stay home for November. Yeah, the, the Blue Devils let that one slip away. I think they feel like they let uh, that game slip away from them at Wilson. Uh, quite frankly, their defense had a hard time getting them off the field. But, uh, you know, some of that could have been attributed to fatigue as their offense just had ma- trouble maintaining drives. Um, Rossview, you know, Devontae Phillips is a good back. He runs hard. I think if he gets to 100 yards, I think Rossview wins this game. But if not, Garrett Demo can tear a page out of the Wildcat playbook Move the change with his legs, kind of what Wilson Central did against um, did against Lebanon. I think that this game is going to hinge a lot on the quarterback play because you got two. Uh, you got DeQuante Shannon out there, and you know he's a force. Devontae uh, Phillips is not uh, is no slouch himself. Yep. Um, they have a good. The Hawks have a good run attack, just like the Blue Devils. Their defense may even be a little bit better than Lebanon, but the X factor here is going to be the special team game. I do like the Blue Devils special teams unit. They've changed the games before. They have. They've done a good job. Um, but the Hawks have a defense. Boy, they stopped Lipscomb in the second half. Did a wonderful job of keeping Mount Juliet off the board in the second half. If they can avoid the mistakes and can win survive, I think the best team, they're the best team in Clarksburg right now. I'm actually going to take Rossview in this game. A lot of good points about Rossview's offense, especially, you know, way Garrett Dimel has, has played for, for the Hawks. But here's the thing. Lebanon has lost a couple of close games to put themselves in this spot. The question for me is have they learned from it and can they find a way to win a close one? Because that's where I think this is going to go. They're going to have to win a close game now or never. And to me, I think if you have to quantize Shannon, Jalen Abston has got to play a really good game in this one because the attention is going to go to Shannon. Oh, yeah. If Abstin can pick up the slack and get the Blue Devil offense moving downfield, they're going to win this game. They're going to win it, and I think I'm taking Lebanon because I think it's time for them to win a close one. And I, dis- I think it's where it's going to be in this <laughs> we're, one. We're disagreeing right off the bat. Hey, there we I'm go. not shocked by it. No. Not, not in the least. And I wouldn't be shocked if you're right either. So Ravenwood at Independence next. The Indy, we, we called Indy last week. Now they've gotten what they want. They've got a shot at the region title. All they got to do is win. But Ravenwood stands in their way. Yeah. Uh, boy, and, and the implications now yeah. with the Stewart's Creek game are huge. Yeah, and Andy cannot finish in, can finish first or third. They cannot finish second. So if they lose this game, they're going on the road. Right. So, uh, you know, Independence – boy, the defense took a little bit away of the headlines from Jackson Campbell last week. Just a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. Well, maybe they can share it. <laughs> right. Uh, well, they kept uh, K Grands off uh, off balance all night. They stopped the run, four stairs, did enough to turn field position. Um, you know, in fact, it was a turn of luck, really, that allowed the Bruins to get back in the game. 
Uh, it was a, they made a good play on the ball, tipped it, and ends up going for a touchdown. Uh, you know, Aaron Walden turned it into Brentwood points. Yeah, Ravenwood's had an off week. It may have been just what the doctor ordered since uh, they had that nine-week stretch of games and so tough games. Yeah, they get they had and took it out on Smyrna, but uh, it you know the arrest couldn't come at a better time mm-hmm. for Ravenwood. Um, you know, Brittany still is becoming a star on both sides of the ball. You know he's going to draw plenty of attention, which means the running game should open up for Trevor Andrews and uh, Justin Smitherman. Whew, Independence has ruled this region, but I think Ravenwood's had their baptism of fire, and they're ready for a long postseason run. Um, I think this team's going to be laser-focused. I'm going to go Ravenwood in this game. And Independence is going to be a, a an extremely tough out for whoever they draw in the first round, and probably might be favored in, for whoever they draw in the first round. I like Ravenwood getting some rest in Week Ten. That was a critical for them because they've been through they've been through the ringer this year. Yeah, probably as tough a schedule as anybody around here. One player to watch for me is Ross Johnston. He's going to have to pick up a little bit of slack because Burning Stool is going to drag so much attention that you can't cover everybody. If you take away Burning Stool, Johnston has got to get open and give Trevor Andrews another option. You're right there. Absolutely. And I think he has a pretty good game in this one. And I like Ravenwood to win it. But Independence, we're not, we haven't talked about him enough. That stops now. We actually, people have got to take notice because Indy's good. They are. And Indy's and, good. And whoever gets them, like you said, if they lose this game and have to go on the road in the first round, whoever gets them is not going to want to see them. No, it won't be fun. But uh, it won't be fun for Ravenwood either, but I think they win this one this week. For a region title, we go back to region four of six, a Hendersonville Mount Juliet. Let me tell you, Mount Juliet has not forgotten what happened last year in the finale with them getting absolutely hammered by Hendersonville and Trey Perry getting ejected from that game. They haven't forgotten about it, and now they're at home for this one. Yeah, it's, I, I had forgotten about that, and you're absolutely right. I'm sure that this has been cir- excuse me, circled, uh, highlighted, you know, stamped, uh, everything else. Uh, yeah, looking at Hendersonville, you know, we discussed last week the importance of Brent Rowe and the commando running game to win against Rossview. Uh, they, that happened. They, he did uh, – Rowe was an outstanding job. Uh, if Luke Manning can connect on a few of those screens with Ellis Ellis, we talked about that. Um, I think Hendersonville is going to have to start early and get up front and make Mount Juliet put the ball up in the air yeah. if they're going to win this game. Um, I think uh, Coach Perry kind of simplified some stuff, moved back to the wing tee this week, and they exploded. Yeah. And maybe that's what they needed was to just go back to basics. Uh, of course, they were playing station camp. Uh, Hennessville's playing well offensively and defensively, but their special teams unit is still giving teams life. Rossview got back in the game with kick and punt returns for touchdowns. And that isn't tightened up by Coach Beasley this week. It's going to cost them in this game. Uh, neither of these teams are perfect. Both have their flaws, but I don't know that there will be a more contested game this week. And I'm going to go with Mount Juliet in this game. I agree with you, and I, I think Conlon Baggett's a big reason why. I think he has a, a big night against a team that, you know, they showed a little bit more on film playing station camp. They got the chance to work on some things last week, 
And Hendersonville's got to be ready for more than just, you know, what Mount Juliet's been throwing out there most of the year. Now they got to get a taste of their own medicine. They have they run the wing tee, now they've got to stop it. So Baggett may have a huge night in this game. And Mount Juliet's got a little bit of motivation. The the loss to Rossview might have done them some good. I was just about to say that very thing. Uh, it's very rare when a win is a good a loss is a good thing, but that may have been just what they needed. In their situation, I think it might have helped them out because they kind of got knocked back to reality. Now, they were flying a little bit too high, I think, and you know, just sometimes you got to get punched in the mouth just to know where you are. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they've learned from that. I think Mount Juliet wins this game. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a – I wouldn't be surprised if it's a high-scoring game, though. These two teams seem to put up points no matter what they do offensively. Yeah. Wing yeah. T, spread, single wing, otherwise I don't care. They're going to score. It's a matter of, you know, are you sound on special teams and the hidden yardage and penalties are going to really kind of determine how this game goes. I'm, I'm taking MJ, though. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be a much uh, more heated – battle yep. this week maybe not game. maybe not another one where two teams are fighting for playoff life is blackman at cookville losers out i mean it's that simple blackman's had such a tough year but they have a shot to get in the postseason despite their struggles but they've got to go through Oak, through cookville to do it yeah you know one glance at blackman you look at their three and five record but then if you really look at it you understand why alcoa ravenwood independence warren county riverdale uh, all playing well when they played them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, their win resume is not great. You know, Rockville, Siegel, Coffee County. But the wins they had against those teams were decisive yeah. victories. They didn't slide by. And right now, Drew Beam is throwing the ball with confidence. Todd Lark is his favorite target. Andrew Hudson-Jackson is getting the offensive going. The biggest the biggest problem with Blackman has been their defense. They've been giving up 24 points per game. Yeah. And that's been the problem. But, boy, you look over at Cookville, look across there, and I think the Cavaliers are a bit of a paper tiger. I mean, you, their biggest win was a season opener against Upperman. Yeah, a 3A school. A 3A school. In the three losses in Rutherford County, managed seven, six, and zero points and managed only a one-point victory over Coffee County, 16 against Siegel, and then they got the COVID win over Rock, Rockvale. So – you know, you look at their record, and you, but if you really study it close, it, it it's not as it's not as solid it maybe as it looks. I feel like Cookville's a little overmatched in this region. I do, I, and and this is about kind of where they typically fall in that four or five slot. And Blackman has been battle tested, and I know it's been a rough season for the Blaze, but I just feel like that they're starting to get a little bit of momentum going forward. Drew Beam needs a big night. Stockton, no one's going to be tough to stop on the other side. Yep. But I think Blackman in this spot is a little bit more experienced than Cookville in, in those situations. I'm t- I'm taking the Blaze to get that fourth spot and knock Cookville out. I agree. I'm going uh, Blaze as well. A region title game between Gordonsville and Monterey in 1A. And both of these teams have been playing very, very well of lately. But, you know, Gordonsville going on the road and beating Fayetteville said a lot about that team and, and what they can do on the road. It's a good spot for, for them, I think, in this situation. Boy, they're just two TDs away from being 8-0. Yes. I mean, really. The only blemishes on the otherwise stellar season are a seven-point loss at Watertown and an eight-point loss to Trousdale. And those yeah. teams are really good. Yeah, two, two ranked teams in yeah. 2A. This team is very, very good offensively. 
Um, they're balanced. I like their quarterback, Matthew Albritton. He's 56% passer. Uh, but I think the the real the real answer is Daryl Holt here. Yeah, he has been a tremendous add to this team. Uh, he had his best week last week with 196 yards against Joe Burns. He's got eight TDs on the on the season, but also their defense is stepping up. Uh, Will Dudley is the real deal at linebacker. Now he's got. Uh, it, the stat line that I saw had him with 55 tackles, 17 tackles for loss, and five sacks. Yep. So, you know, that team is balanced on both sides of the ball. Monterey, they won a nail-biter last week against Clay County in overtime. Uh, they they uh, have a solid scored points to give points given up ratio, and quarterback uh, Matthew Montgomery has good success throwing the ball. Um, I think, though, if the Tigers control the clock – don't make any errors. Uh, that they can they they can take control of this game. Uh, Mason Bowman has tackle breaking ability, so the Tigers are going to have to tackle well. I think the key is going to be Gordonsville's linebackers. They're really good. I think it'll be an excellent game, but I think Gordonsville wins it. There's a lot on the line in this game because not only do you win a region, the way the bracket sets up this year, the winner of this region will not have to go on the road. At all. They'll have home field advantage throughout the semifinals. Wow. The only road trip they would make is to Cookville for the championship game. That's a lot of incentive. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of incentive. And Gordonsville has been just kind of slowly improving week after week. And, and without those two losses, I mean, they're, they're still a pretty good resume. They're ranked eighth this week for, for some weird reason. I don't know why they're that low. They should yeah. be higher. I agree. And I think after they beat Monterey, they'll get a little bit higher. I'm taking the Tigers. After the break, we'll come back and get the rest of the games in who you got. Stick around with us. This is the 615 Preps Podcast. Back in a minute. Hey, folks. If you want to support high school football coverage all across Middle Tennessee, let 615 Preps help. We have sponsorship opportunities for the 2020 season to suit all needs and budgets. For more information, shoot us an email at 615preps at gmail.com. That's 615preps at gmail.com. 615preps, Friday night's finest play here. Continuing who you got, Pearl Cone and Giles County is up next, a championship game in Region 5 of Class 3A. And, you know, Pearl Cone's unbeaten and, and, They've kind of gotten their feet under them after having a late start to the season. The Firebirds are rolling right now, and Giles County just seems like they just might be in the way. <laughs> You're right. You want to talk about rolling. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you look at their scores lately. They've just been snow plowing people. Um, you know, they had a little bit of a slow start, and now they've unloaded three straight blowout shutouts. Um, Martino Owens has been passing extremely well. Nearing a thousand yards, only five games and six in only five games with sixteen touchdowns and a pick, you know one pick, you know, uh, you know, and then you got talent everywhere. Randall Hodge, Ivan Dayton Jr. in the backfield, Barry and Brown, Kendrick Breedlove receiving, and Breedlove is just tearing it up on defense as well. You said Giles County is getting in the way. It's really hard to get a read on this team. Is this team the team that held Hendersonville to 19 points and beat Columbia Central or the team that lost to Page in Green Hill? Yeah. Uh, you know, they got a really good back in Che McElroy. Uh, 
But that I, I just think that the team speed on Pearl Cone is just right now too much for a lot of teams. And I just don't see anybody knocking the Firebirds off. They're playing about as well as any team going. I take that Hendersonville game for what it's worth. It was only a half of football. They called it at halftime. The Columbia game, I think, was more of a better matchup for Giles County than anything else. Columbia doesn't have a ton of speed like Pearl Cone does. And I think this is a mismatch. There are two games on this 10-game list that I think have the potential to be absolute blowouts, and this is one of them. I don't think this is close at all. I think Pearl Cone wins handily. We may see a running clock in the second half. I think they're that good right now. I think they're that much better than Giles County. Pearl Cone, big for me. I can see it. Fairview at Stewart County is the 6-3A championship game, and these two teams have been on a collision course all year long, despite you know having to deal with a couple of shutdowns due to COVID. They're right there together, face-to-face for a region title, and Fairview, I think, is one of the best teams in 3A. I think they're a top five-ish team, but they haven't gotten necessarily the opportunities to show it because their season's been interrupted. Yeah, you look, you know, the Yellow Jackets, they put them together a nice four-game win streak, uh, you know, since they lost to Lebanon in September on that Saturday after they came out of quarantine. Right. And and that was a that was just a score fest. I mean, honestly. Um, you know, defensively, they're averaging about 14 points a game. But if you take out the 49 points they gave up to Lebanon, they're only averaging giving up about 7.5. So this defense is not – a bad defense. Right. It's actually very, very good. Uh, the offense puts out points in a big way. Of course, you have Logan Nardozzi in the backfield. He's he's the big name. He's the one everybody recognizes. But but the emergence of Riley Bennett, I think, mm. is the real story here. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's got 859 yards passing, 11 TDs. He loves to throw to his bookend wide receivers, Morgan Jean and uh, Bryce Fannin. Fannin's also a threat on the defensive backfield. He's got three picks and 29 total tackles. And they got Jacob Clevenger, who's got or Clevenger, who's got five sacks. They're a force. You said it. They are the class of this region, I think. Um, Stewart County, defense is the name of the game. Uh, they, they average a little over seven points a game against, and that includes the 28 they gave up against uh, East Hickman in their loss. They posted uh, two uh, two straight shutouts and are on a four game win streak. They have a chance at the best season since uh, since Coach Schwartz suited up in two thousand eight. Hmm. <laughs> you know they got a good quarterback in Will Page. He's a he's a tough runner, um, but I, again I agree. I think Fairview is just too much here. For me, no, Stewart County struggling against East Hickman. That's a red flag to me, and. The way Fairview attacks you, they do it in so many different ways. They can they can run power. They can run outside with sweeps. They can run a lot of different offensive schemes. With Chris Hughes, his mind for offense is one of the best around. And I look for him to try to exploit some different matchups in this game. He's got the playmakers to do it. He's got the defense to back him. I don't know that Stewart County can hang at this point. I think Fairview's a top-five team, like I've said. But it's time to prove it because they haven't really had that opportunity to prove it. This is a show-me game for Fairview, and I'm curious to see how this one plays out. But I like Fairview winning this game, winning the region title, 
and and staying home for a bit in the playoffs because after last year, it's time for them to have a good run. Yep, I agree. Oakland at Warren County. Now, had Warren County beat Riverdale last week, this game would have been off the charts hyped up because both teams would have been unbeaten entering. That didn't happen. Warren County lost to Riverdale, lost decisively to Riverdale, and now they're kind of in a spot where you know they can finish second or third, but or they, they can win the region if, if they somehow beat Oakland. But I wasn't sold on, on Warren County coming in. I'm, I'm really not sold on them now. Oh, they were flat out exposed last week against Riverdale. Uh, we knew defense would be hard to run on, run on, but the Warriors held them to 111 total yards and held C.J. Taylor to only 30 on the ground. Uh, we w- wondered a little bit. You said last week you were not sold on Warren County, and absolutely we knew why. We looked at – if you looked at their record and who they played and everything. Too many red flags. Too many red flags. You know, we also said Oakland's going to Oakland. Oh no! And Oakland did. Yeah, the Oakland, the Patriot train just keeps chugging along, and I see no reason to think it's going to pause, much less stop. No. Uh, C.J. Taylor is going to be a marked man in this game. Uh, you know, the weird thing is, is Oakland's passing game is showing signs that they could be one of the better passing teams out there. Yeah, when they have to throw it, which is hardly ever. Yeah, exactly. But you know, Isaiah Horton has really emerged as a deep threat, yeah. and you know, with that running game, it's just. They, they're just – I just don't see any way. I'll be – I see this game – I don't even see this game being close. This may end up being a running clock game. Uh, yeah, this was the other one I had circled on the list that could get out of hand. Now, I will say this. C.J. Taylor, extremely good player, should be a Mr. Football finalist. He should oh. be. But I'm afraid that this week may not be a good week for that resume. No. It, because he will see more defensive speed than he saw all year long and then some. Riverdale's defense was good. Oakland's is better. Well, I don't think Coach Creasy thinks that he's seen the best game out of his team yet. I don't think he has either. And and I think that he's he's pushing them hard. Yeah. So I I, I think that defense as a point of pride is going to want to shut down uh, C.J. Taylor. There's just – I mean, they're just that good. Yeah, I think so. I like Oakland big in this one as well. Our fans' choice game of the week is Greenbrier White House. It's the area's longest continuously played rivalry game. It's going to, I think, I believe it's its 73rd year, 73rd consecutive year that they've played this game. And the stakes may not be any higher than what they are this week because one team's going home. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a playoff game. I mean, it's it just is. a playoff game a week early, right? Yep. Uh, so many of these are. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Coach Elmore's team did a good job of holding Spring, Springfield in last week's monsoon. But the turnovers just absolutely crushed them. Uh, Isaac Rector and Stoney Smith are going to have to have a good day to keep Rain and Blackburn off the field. Uh, the Bobcats can't allow any big plays. Uh, you got to keep Blackburn contained. Uh, you may not be able to stop him, but his big playability can be limited. You can force them into extending drives. Right. Um, this opportunistic defense can turn you over, but the offense has to take advantage. Uh, Braxton Laney cannot be careless with the ball because uh, White House defense backs are ball hawks. White House, on the other hand, when Blackburn went down against Heritage, you could feel like all the air gets sucked right out of that stadium. It seems, though, to have forced the offense to put the burden on the shoulders of Evan Shankle and the Blue Devil uh, defense, and boy, did they come through Friday. They did. And I expect Blackburn to be close to full strength Friday, so it doesn't bode well for the Bobcats. Um 
it's another game of that unstoppable force against an immovable object, you know? Um, can Greenbrier's defense contain running Blackburn and can White House's running game and you know, and can the Bobcats get on the board to offset whatever the Blue Devils do? I don't know. I'm going to go with Rain and Blackburn and the Blue Devils in this game. I don't think seven points is going to be enough this week for White House. I mean, they scored on the first drive and then played defense after that. They can't. You can They cannot form. They cannot follow that formula this week. That will not work because Greenbrier will find a way to score. And if, if maybe not at their offense, their defense might pick up points. But I'm like you. I like White House at home in a game where. There's going to be a lot of it's it's pride, it's bragging rights, but it's also you know playoff life. And White House hasn't been to the postseason in a couple of years. They're kind of missing that experience. That's going to be a hungry team. Yep. On Friday night, both of them are, for that matter. Both teams are seeing some droughts in the postseason. But I like White House at home. I I think that you know their defense may just be enough to be the answer in this game. Which brings us to our final game, our spotlight game of the week for Week 11. Creekwood at Springfield. It's the biggest one on the schedule with 9-0 Creekwood at 8-1 Springfield. Both teams are ranked in the top six or seven in, in Class 4A. And it doesn't really get any bigger, bigger than this. No, and this game features two do-it-all quarterbacks who are dangerous on both sides of offense and defense. Uh, when you talk Springfield, you're talking two things. You're talking defense and Cavantes Hudson. Uh, the defense has been very good. The only blip was a, uh, uh, the White House game uh, where they put up 152 uh, yards. Blackburn put up 152 yards. And he's a quarterback along the lines of Elijah Donaldson. Uh, Lamarius Daniels is a strong back. He factors in this game in a big way. But I think the focus for Creekwood will be square on number five. And for that, Springfield's going to need a good game out of Gabe Kelly and Lamarian Turner to loosen up the defense. Now, Creekwood with Elijah Donaldson, their quarterback's a tool, uh, dual threat, runner and passer. And last week at Portland, he accounted for 124 yards passing and on four attempts and two TDs. Yeah. Uh, he also finished with 110 on the ground. That seems to be a typical evening for the Red Hawk quarterback. Um. This is going to be a very good game, I believe. Both teams have incredible leadership, especially the quarterback position. Both have good defense to turn teams over. The Jacks may be a little bit more dynamic, but Creekwood is more, more disciplined, possibly. It may very well come down to special teams, and if that is the case, then give me Luis diaz Hion, the kicker. I think he's going to be the difference, and I think that's why Springfield wins. I'm taking the Yellow Jackets, but for a different reason. You mentioned the quarterback play. You mentioned the experience there. Both these both these kids are are great quarterbacks. They're do it all threats. That the key for me though, Cavantes Hudson has been in these types of games before, in these types of stakes. Donaldson hasn't necessarily had these kind of games to play. Uh, Hudson is a more mature quarterback as far as his experience goes in these bigger games, and I'm taking him as the biggest reason why Springfield wins this one. But I'm looking forward to this one because you don't get any bigger than this at the end of the year. You really don't. No, you don't. I'm taking Springfield, and I'm taking you guys to the rest of this podcast. That's all the time we've got this week. The playoffs are next week, Scott. Playoffs? Yeah, playoffs. Playoffs? Yes. Yay, yeah. we got playoffs. Yeah. Thanks for joining us on the 615 Preps Podcast. For Scott Burton, I'm Chris Brooks. We will see you next week. Take care, everyone. Playoffs!
The 615 Preps Podcast is a production of B-Squared Media, LLC. Our theme music is A Closet Full of Bones by Mama Tried and is used with their permission. You can download their music on the 615preps.com website or on SoundCloud. Your hosts for the 615 Preps Podcast are Chris Brooks and Scott Burton. You can follow Chris on Twitter at CBrooksTN and Scott at SBurton615.